Hello, I'm Sarah Vine, and this is Sarah Vine's Female Half Hour from Mail Plus with Imogen Edwards-Jones. Coming up on today's show, we have a very special guest, the Duchess of York, Sarah Ferguson, whose latest book, Her Heart for Compass, is out this week. Plus glamping. I think it sounds like a bit of a waste of time, but a glamp site owner is here to convince me otherwise. Will he be able to change Vine's mind? And of course, we will get our weekly astrology fix with Teresa Chung, who this week is joining us to talk about who else? Meghan Markle's 40th birthday. Imogen. Hello. You're in Ibiza. You're in Ibiza. You're in Ibiza. It's too exciting. I am. I feel like Judith Chalmers from the olden days. <laughs> I'm literally traveling around. You Wish you were here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting in a slightly damp bathing suit, which my mother always warned me against. No, very I'll bad. I'll be forging forth with that. It's absolutely rampant with COVID here. Is it? Is that because there's so many anti-vaxxers oh there? No, no one wants the vaccine, though, I do don't they? know. I don't know. It's so bizarre. So they're holding, as only Ibiza can, COVID-positive parties. <laughs> so you can only come if you're positive. Oh, that's genius. Is that genius? So all the positives are having a lovely time and all the negatives are too scared to go out. But if you've got a COVID positive <laughs> party, does that mean that everyone's got a sort of high temperature and is slightly sweaty around the gills? Not really, not really. They've just got a tickly cough. And a bit That's of a headache. <laughs> and a bit of a headache. Yes. Oh, well. Yeah. I that is very funny. That is very funny. No, anyway, but someone said to me that the reason the Beatles got so much COVID is because it's full of hippies who won't take the vaccine because they think it's going to... That is also true. You know, Although there's this other brilliant thing that I found out was that it's called it's called the vaccine double bluff. Right. So people are vaxxed but pretending they're non-vaxxed because it's really uncool to be vaxxed. So therefore they go, oh, no, I'm not vaxxed. But actually secretly So it's socially unacceptable <laughs> it's to be vaxxed. Totally. The world has turned upside down. It is It's mad. very funny. Um, but, uh, but the weather's nice, I hope. And, um, and how, many, how many PCR tests did you have to have in order to get to Ibiza? Oh, I've had about 65 now. There is not an orifice of mine that hasn't been tweaked by a small brush. That's all I'm saying. We are joined by the Duchess of York, Sarah Ferguson, whose latest book, Her Heart for a Compass, is out this week. So we're here to talk about your book. Tell me a bit about it and why you decided to do it and how it came about, really. I decided to uh, write a novel about Lady Margaret. It was about 15, 16 years ago, uh, I just have mm. always wanted to uh, fulfill this dream is to write is to write what's in my head. So I believe that um, by getting it out of my head, I can let a new idea form again. So it's an enormous uh, for me, it's a very proud moment in a new career, which started yesterday. And it's really rather extraordinary to be able to talk about something that I have done for myself yeah. and not it's not about the royal family it's not being the duchess yeah. it's not mm. it's just being sarah so tell us a bit about her as a character though duchess the uh, lady margaret montague the lady margaret douglas montague scott. douglas scott is a a very very courageous strong red-headed resilient fiery uh very Oh, I don't know any of those. Do you know any of those? No, I, that doesn't sound remotely familiar. <laughs> no, and uh, she's yeah, I know, and she she's extremely headstrong, and of course, um, often doesn't think of her ramifications of her own actions. Quite extraordinary, <laughs> but Lady Margaret, it, of course, it parallels a lot of my own life. Uh, but um, from my experiences and experimenting with experiences, it's really um, fun to be able to fictionalise. Lady Margaret Montague Douglas Scott. What was it like working with uh, with Margaret Kay? And tell me about the whole Mills and Boone thing. 
because is that because you know I've tried years, many many times to try and write a Mills and Boone, and there are so many rules and regulations and things about how much kissing you're allowed to have and how much intimacy you're allowed. I mean, what was that whole experience like? Uh, well, I um, have to say I was very proud to be with a company which is 100 years old, and I think Amazing. I've just been awarded the Author of the Month, which. I know I can brag to you, Sarah and Amy, but if I didn't <laughs> brag, no one else was going to tell you. <laughs> that's exciting. Yes, but I think it's only in-house, in-house Mills and Boone. Do you get a badge? Well, I want a badge, Sarah. I'm going well, to. Yeah, you should have a badge. I think I should have a, a badge because it was all the people that work at Mills and Boone that voted me for the person mm. who tried well, hardest. Or at least a mug. Yes, but Sarah, <laughs> Amy. It's so funny because my yeah. school report said trying and then the next month said very trying. And now I've actually got one. <laughs> I've actually that's got... That's hilarious. I know, but it's... <laughs> and this, this oh, one... That's so funny. I've actually got an award for being useful. And I'm really that's proud good. about it. I was quite interested in what you said about this being a sort of way for you to actually project the real you. It's really hard, isn't it, when people just overlay their own perceptions of you onto you the whole time i think it is probably one of the most difficult things to come to terms with i think it is mm. so hard when you are perceived one way and you desperately want to try and make people like you the way you are but if you don't show them because mm. you you've so frightened to show yourself which i have been for i mean ever since i hit public life i'd I was so frightened to get it wrong. And then I became a people pleaser. Mm. And then I went whizzing mm. into food and became the Duchess of Pork. And by the time I hit 61 years old, it's time to to understand all all of those things. So when I now walk into a room, I walk in with myself. And I'm Sarah now mm. and not trying to make everybody like me. It's something that you actually own and it's and it's you reclaiming your actual identity as opposed to the identity that millions of people have given you over the years. And I think that's I think that's something that is quite a unique experience, but I think it's a shared experience, certainly among slightly older women. I always think as women we're you know, we're so many different things to so many different people, aren't we? We're one thing to our children, yeah. one thing to our husbands, one thing to our parents and everything. And it's not really until you get sort of past the age of 50 that you can start to explore actually who it is you are, you know, what you want to do, what you want to be, how you want people to see you. I, I couldn't agree more, but I have never thought about it like that. I don't think I was mentally um, strong enough to think of it like that. Uh, it just so happens that that by writing during a pandemic and by using the time and also the pandemic kicked me hard to stop not doing what I need to do. You know, I look back at the filming of Storytime with Fergie and Friends at the beginning of the lockdown and I was, oh, hello, my name's Sarah and I spoke a little bit like that. <laughs> and then and then, uh, towards the end of it, a year and a half later, I'm now going, hi, inky, winky, stinky, donkey, dunky, dunky, or something, <laughs> because that's the book that children in Los Angeles Hospital want to hear. So off I go. And then yeah, uh, and they use, the, they use these words in these children's books that, that they want me to read which are quite extraordinary uh which my mother would <laughs> probably tell, 
get ripped into me for for saying. But anyway, oh, give us an example. Which are these words? Which words are they? I want to know what the terrible are. They woke words? Is that the no, word? no, no? Don't worry. Words like poo, surely. Yes, it's poo and fart. <laughs> Poo yeah. Not poo and fart. Yes. But um so grandchildren, presumably you're going to read to them, but not say poo and fart. Oh no, 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 I I, I think I'm gonna have to keep with modern life, modern cultures. I think I'm gonna have to do mm. poo and farts. I'm you know, grandma is very yep. cool and trendy. Uh a grandson with August, I, I certainly have to um understand tractors and um diggers and trains. Is that his jam? Well, it will be his jam. I know it will because he's a real little chap. The great news is is that Grandma is uh, very... Because uh, don't forget, Beatrice has Wolfie, who's five. So my step-grandson mm-hmm. thinks that... I, because he watches Storytime with Fergie and Friends, um, for him, I'm mm-hmm. the Jennifer Aniston of his life because I, I'm very cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so he he when he walks in, he thinks I'm a star. You see, because he sees me on t- television, on YouTube. Yes, yes, yes. That, that is extraordinary, actually. Yeah. How is it having a step grandchild? It's the best fun for me because three to five year olds is my audience. That's I've written mm. all those thirty eight books for three to five year olds. So, budgie, uh, budgie to the latest is Charlie Blue and Larry the Lamp Post is coming out in September, mm. and then What's Under Your Hat, Grandma, is coming out in October. That sounds rocking. <laughs> What's under your hat? You're so funny. I wonder what's under your hat, Amy. Uh, Just quickly, since we're talking very openly, you know, it's very important that if August decides that he doesn't want trains and he wants Barbies, I'll go there too. You know, it's. I think yes, I have sure. no judgment on whether he, um, wh- no. whatever he wants to do. I'm very happy that it's. And I've always said it when I first started my foundation, my charity, which was the mission statement: no race, creed, colour, or any other denomination. And I'm really happy no. to stick to um, that. Kindness is my religion, you know, goodness and kindness and mm. no judgment. Well, thank you so much. And please come back with your new book whenever that may be. You Granny's hat's going to be a rocking, Gra- rocking. I love Granny's hats. <laughs> I love Granny's hats. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you all very much, really. That was the Duchess of York, whose latest novel, Her Heart for a Compass, is available now. So this week I've been writing in my column about glamping and why I just don't really see the point of it. It's kind of either go camping or go to a luxury hotel. It's sort of neither fish nor fowl nor good red herring in my view. And also quite a lot of people charge a lot of money for a bell tent with a, you know, some linen in it. But here to try and convince me that I'm wrong is the wonderful Jonathan Barber, who is managing director and founder of Wild Luxury, which promises glamping on the Norfolk coast. Jonathan, hello. Thank you for joining us. Hello. Hi there. So, your job is to convince me that I am completely wrong about glamping and that it is, in fact, fabulous. Take it away. Okay, so well, I, I, I struggle to see why you, can't, why you don't like glamping because at the end of the day, it is a lot like camping and our company, Strapline, is Make Life an Adventure. Now, it may be that you had a, had a, a difficult experience or a little underwhelming experience at a particular glamping site, but if you ate one soggy strawberry, would you give them up? If you had one flat glass of champagne, would you banish bubbles from your life? I mean, glamping is great. For the past 12 years, we've had a lot of happy, smiling guests who've experienced sunshine and storms, the biggest skies in England, barbecues under the sky, kids getting up at dawn to seize a freshly laid egg, beach days, wooden romps and picnics. This is about making a really good, happy memories with family and friends of doing things different. 
that either you couldn't or wouldn't do at home. Clamping is absolutely amazing, I think, for families and friends, because at its heart, it is camping, where you're a little bit out of your comfort zone and where you have to make a little bit more effort with each other and the world around you. Families can't bury their noses in their iPads. You have to have time for each other and space and actually be with each other, whether that's playing cards, building a den, racing wheelbarrows or water flags or blowing the biggest bubbles known to man. But why does it have to be in a tent? Why does it have to be in a tent? <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry to be It's sorry. not a tent. It's a it's very a, smart tent. Is it a yurt? But camping is not about creating little five-star hotel rooms in fields. Okay, is it, it not? It, that's what it, I thought it, it was. It is about taking some of the taking some of the hassle out of camping, big mm. tents, you know, going into a big tent where you've got, you don't have to bang in a thousand pegs before you, you actually can walk in the door. Mm. Lots of space for you and your family, comfy beds that you want to lie in all day, a kitchen with everything you need, your own powerful shower and private loo, which for, for most girls is essential, a wood burner that makes life uh. cozy, whatever the weather, a cool box that's always cool, a sundex where you want to sit out and look at the view all day. I have to say, I think you're obviously extremely good at your job, Jonathan Barber, because uh, because you do make it sound fabulous. I'm, I'm not 100% convinced. I think I might just prefer a hotel room, but I can see, well, I can you what, see Sarah, the appeal. If you're, in Norfolk, if you're in Norfolk, you come and stay at one of our lodges, and if you don't like it, we have a five-star hotel room just around the corner. So you get <laughs> halfway through the night, you could give me a bell, and I'll give you a key. Or you could just give me a very nasty tent and tell me to get out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was Jonathan Barber, who runs Wild Luxury Glamping in Norfolk, and he did change my mind, but mainly because he just sounded like such a nice chap. You are listening to the Female Half Hour with me, Sarah Vine, and Imogen Edwards-Jones. You can visit mailplus.co.uk slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces, and more. And if you want to get in touch, tweet us at mailplus or me at Westminster Wag. We enjoyed speaking to her so much last week. She's back again with more fabulous beauty tips. Hannah Betts, whose column Better Not Younger is published in the Daily Mail on Monday, joins me now. So, Hannah, the thing that I wanted to talk about today is this study that came out this week saying that oestrogen actually keeps your skin looking younger. So, I mean, the debate over whether to take hormones or not has always been sort of, you know, a bit this way and that way. But now that I know that, I think, you know, that's going to be a game changer for me. Are you not doing it now? Are you, are you not stuffed with no, HRT I'm not. as we speak? Mm. Fine. The thing about me, I know, but the thing about me is, is that I take my HRT and then, so I take an estrogen pump, right? And, and then I'm supposed to take some progesterone pump and I do that. But if I do that, I feel awful. I basically feel like I've got PMT all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas when I don't have any hormones at all, I feel great. And I don't know whether that's, maybe I'm allergic to oestrogen. Is that a thing? I don't know. But the thing is, is my doctor keeps saying to me, oh, you must take your HRT because it's good for your heart and it's good for your this and it's good for your bones. So I go off and I do my pump dutifully. And then after about four days, I basically feel like you do today, Hannah. I want to just, mm. you know, cry and eat biscuits. Oh, I'm much more violent than that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wonder if you need a better way of taking it in that case. I wonder if there's... I mean, obviously, the dose might be wrong for you. It sounds like you're, you must be having a lot. I mean, they do do these patches, but I'm allergic yeah. to those, obviously. They bring me out in a rash. What about uh, pills? What about the old-fashioned way? Do you think that would be better? Well, I went straight from taking... As was always my plan, I went straight from the contraceptive pill, which I'd taken pretty much all my adult life, 
to um, HRT as soon as I started getting perimenopausal symptoms. Mm. And I have found it terrific. I mean, the, unfortunately, I do still get all this premenstrual tension. But is that why your but skin I, is so fabulous? Is that why you literally <laughs> look 25? Well, I like to say so. I mean, mm. I, I was quite surprised by the surprise over this study. Yeah. Because I, to me, it's just logical that if you're getting all the hormones that make young people young, that you'll stay looking young. So I'm not really surprised by this. I think it's why my mother went on HRT all those years ago in the 80s, was partly because she sort of woke up feeling that she'd suddenly looked like an old hag. Mm. So I, I wasn't at all surprised by it. But I think the propaganda against HRT has been so hot and heavy over the years that people just discount it because they assume it's going to make them terribly ill. I mean, I think it's really shocking that only 10% of postmenopausal women are taking it. Mm. That's a very odd statistic, isn't it? I mean... But I see, but the thing is, I'm a postmenopausal woman and I Mm. took it during the menopause and then Mm. I started to taper it off and then I I like the way I feel without any HRT. I like it. I mm. sleep really well. But you've really got well. very skin, though, Sarah. Maybe you're just one of the exceptions. The rest of us who look like a, a suede armchair might suddenly rather enjoy it than this. Yeah, but I mean, the thing is, all my life, I rather like Hannah. I was a slave to my hormones. You know, I was always either premenstrual, postmenstrual, or menstrual, basically, and the whole thing was always a nightmare. And the great thing about the menopause and having come through it is, it's a huge liberation actually from all of that sort of mad hormonal roller coaster yes i can't wait um, um, but i mean but not if you end up looking like a suede no no, so exactly. well, no they've worked out that if you do take your pills then uh yeah. actually it does keep you looking younger yeah i mean is there any is there any sort of skincare that's dedicated i mean are there any things that are particularly suited to, to the menopausal lady or indeed man well as a fully qualified doctor's daughter sarah i'm oh. glad you asked that <laughs> Um, I think that the thing that this survey talked about was lipids, and they're the sort of fatty barrier. Mm. I've the, got a lot of those. <laughs> well, well, we need them. They're what Nigella would call good fats. Okay. And the type of lipids that make up the skin are called ceramides. Mm. And actually, they're in quite a lot of products. They get kind of ignored because they're not as fashionable as, you know, retinols and all these other. Niacinamide is the one that everyone wants, which is a kind of vitamin B thing and peptides and all these other things. But ceramides are naturally part of our body Mm. and they're found at the highest concentrations in the uppermost layer of the skin. So they make this barrier. Basically, if, if the skin cells are the bricks, ceramides are the mortar that kind right. of holds them together. And so it's a can, plumping agent, then, like a plumping yeah, exactly. agent. Yeah, and exactly. And we need them to, um, I think, naturally, they make up over 50% of our skin. So mm. you can, and, and they deplete with age. Mm. So lots of, pro- lots of products have that in. If you've heard of CeraVe, have you heard mm. of that? No. You know, it's quite, it's cheap as chip. I've heard of someone called Sarah V. That's me, but it's not Sarah the same. V. <laughs> Sarah V. They should send it you for life. They but, should. you know, that's nice and cheap, and that has um, ceramides in it. Pixie's Rose Ceramide Cream, Paula's mm. Choice, you know, that lovely American who breaks everything down. Yeah. Roche Pose has quite a lot. Beauty Pie. If you, if you look out for ceramides, you will be doing yourself a favor. And they're... They're not too invasive for people who worry about that. They're there anyway, and we can, we can pump them up.
brilliant. They're a bit like hyaluronic acid, which we all have anyway, and we do more of. Good. Yeah, and you know those, those Elizabeth Arden little things that look like sea creatures, the yes. little capsules? Yes. They have ceramides in them as well. Yes. So once you start looking out for the word, they're, yeah. they're about quite a lot. Good. Ceramides. I don't think they can do anything for my PMT, though. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe I could uh, inject a few, um, make myself no. less psychotic. And actually, next week, I'm going to be writing, in Monday's column, I'm going to be writing, I, a lot of middle-aged women don't seem to have slept since late May, um, because the combination of no. hot flushes and hot nights is fatal. So mm. I'm going to be looking at that a bit, which should be fun. Yes, yeah, so see, I don't have that problem because I don't, I don't have any hormones. I'm basically dead. <laughs> Maybe this is why you sleep all the time. I think this is why I sleep yes. all the time. Maybe that is why I'm so... I'm an Olympic sleeper. I mean, honestly... But that's I, a really good event, actually, Sarah. What, Olympic event. sleeping? Olymp yeah. Olympic sleeping, yes. <laughs> yeah, I'd watch that. Yeah, yeah Olympic too. sleeping. I mean, I can happily sleep 12 hours. It's just not a problem. So, oh, anyway, who knows? Who knows oh, what the truth is man. of all these things? Um, thanks, Hannah. That. We'll speak to you next week. My pleasure, my darlings. That was Hannah Betts, whose Better Not Younger column can be found in the mail every Monday. And now to the best part of the show. We're joined by Teresa Chung, our fabulous astrologer, to talk about, who else? Meghan Markle, whose birthday it is today. Teresa, tell us all about Meghan. Come on. Oh, how long have you got? <laughs> I could talk for hours about this fascinating lady who, you know, really just adores the spotlight as she would being born august the 4th yes. right in the heart of leo and looking at her birth chart there's a surprisingly lack of earth the element of earth and that's all about good sense and practicality there's loads of fire which is action courage passion yep. she's the one who wears the trousers in any relationship yep. and quite a lot of air which is communication but not enough earth um you know being grounded um and I can see aging being a struggle for her, as it is for, for most ladies in the spotlight. <laughs> but I'm surprised she's not staying 39 forever, actually. I'm really I think forty. I think 40 feels ridiculously young to me, because obviously I'm 54. I remember being 40 and thinking I was practically dead. But I realised, of course, that I was wrong. <laughs> I am obviously now you practically know, it is, dead. It is, isn't it? Me too, to say that. You know, when you hit 40, you think, that's it. Yeah. I, I've got to pack up. You know, yeah. especially, I suppose, being an actress before, I think she's probably been told by her agent, just stay 39. You know, that, you know, <laughs> that, that, you know, but yeah, it is very, very young, actually. It's still a baby, isn't it? It I is think young. It is young in today's world. Oh, it is. Absolutely. But um, motherhood, of course, will define her coming year. And, you know, we have three wills in life. You know, she has choice. And it's how she she moves forward from that. Is she going to like fully embrace it and and learn to to you know be more communicative in the relationship and allow you know Harry a bit more control, or ah. is it going to go the other way? Which I worry. I do worry looking at her astrologically. She seems very bossy. Um, you know, she seems very bossy. I think that's my thing. And what I gives see. you that impression, Imogen? But <laughs> <laughs> Harry being told what to do all the time. Well, Harry, that's why Harry needs her, you know, because that, he's that type. He wants that hmm. at the moment in his life, you know, and she does definitely wear the trousers. Hmm. I think next year she's going to do a lot of charity work, hmm. a lot of women's first work, hmm. and a lot. She's and, and America is going to love her. Hmm. You know, she's almost going to be like Hollywood royalty. I think in the UK, 
there's going to be a little more, little much more caution in terms of how. I don't think she's going to run. For, I imagine she'll run for president, won't she? In in about five she's or got, ten or, years' time, or she's going to be like Oprah. Yeah, she, I think she'd like to be yeah. regarded as Oprah. That's that. There's a reason why Oprah did that interview. I think that's how she'd like to see herself. Yeah, and everything's sort of lining up that way. But what what happens to Harry along the way and her children? You know, because she is such a bright burning star. I hope she gives her children space and there's mm. not too much control. Um, you know, she's interesting. She's born on the same day as Obama. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's fascinating, isn't it? Um, also, someone who is, who is, you know, has had been accused of narcissistic tendencies, but has mm-hmm. actually learnt from them mm. right. and grown. Right. So, very uh, ambitious. A fiercely ambitious day, then. Yeah, yeah. It's fiercely ambitious day. Um, and I, I just hope that she learns from it and evolves and it becomes more self-aware. Mm. And sees how she's being perceived. So her trap really is to not is to not sort of you know fall too much in love with herself and to just try and stay grounded in some way. I think that ship sailed. Really. <laughs> Do you think? <laughs> I don't know. I'm a, I, I'm ever hopeful. <laughs> Poor old Harry. Anyway, I'm sure he's very happy. She's endlessly fascinating though, and highly entertaining for us all. Yes, I think. she is. Yes. <laughs> As the years I love go. her. I love her being interviewed, swathed in a sort of white cashmere. Yeah. Clutching her cup of tea and sort of, yeah. you know, gazing up through those doe eyes into the camera. She's just, you know, she's President she, Markle. She's yes, a piece of work. Are. She's amazing. Yes. Okay. I, I actually enjoy where, where her computer is stacked because obviously she's obviously queen of Zoom. I've realized I must must have my computer much higher up. Yes. <laughs> it's on about 17 books. Also, I love books. the fact that she's on Zoom and she's still wearing the six inch heels because, mm. like, because everyone can see them. No, they oh. can't. It's an attitude. That's an attitude. It is an attitude. Okay, Teresa, lovely to talk to you. Thank you so much. That was our resident astrologer, Teresa Chung. And of course, happy birthday to the wonderful, delightful and extremely talented Duchess of Sussex. If you enjoy listening to The Half Hour, why not visit mailplus.co.uk slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. If you want to get in touch, tweet us at mailplus or me at Westminster Wag. You've been listening to The Female Half Hour with me, Sarah Vine and Imogen Edwards-Jones. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 